Hey friends, you're listening to How to Win a Campaign, where you'll get an insider's perspective that teaches you not only how to run, but how to win. I'm Joe Fold. And I'm Martin Diego Garcia, and you can reach us on Twitter at CMPWRKSHP or on Instagram at The Campaign Workshop. Welcome, listeners, and thanks for tuning in to Episode 5 of How to Win a Campaign. Uh, if you haven't heard our fourth episode about setting up your campaign with Claire Stein-Ross, there's a lot of tips and tricks in there around setting up the best HR practices, hiring practices, um, as well as campaign structure to make sure that you are spending your time throughout the rest of your campaign talking to voters and raising money um, versus thinking about forms and filings, deadlines, and uh, setting up processes internally. So take a listen to that. And today we're talking about the digital aspect of a campaign. And again, one of the first things that campaigns do is really think about that digital setup. And one of the exercises that we do in training that I think is really important is to think about how voters interact with digital in their lives, because digital has such a different meaning to different people. I mean, Martine, what does digital mean to you when I say, hey, what's your digital life? What's your digital footprint? How do you interact with digital on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, well, working at a consulting firm where we do digital strategy and advertising, probably much more than your average bear. In my personal life, right, it is on my phone, it is email, it is text messaging, right? It is social media, particularly Instagram. It is gaming sometimes, right? So there's a lot of different digital pieces that folks use. It is streaming YouTubes and Netflix and Hulus and all of the the, uh, streaming things as well. And I do that on a variety of different platforms, right? Whether it's an iPad or my computer or my phone, right? Or my Apple TV right there. There are a bunch of different ways that I sort of engage in digital. How do you engage in digital, Joe? Well, so again, like also being like a digital geek, right? I've been doing digital advertising since 2003. I Content marketing is a hobby of mine. So like digital to me means blogging. It means video content. It means that kind of engagement. So it's being seen on search and making sure that you're able to get that organic content down. That organic content is so important, I think. And then also it means digital advertising and having ads and seeing ads in different places. That's professionally. Personally, it's posting photos on Facebook, Right. Of my dog. Of Ozzy. Of my dog, Ozzy. Right. uh, And my kids. And but again, my mother. Right. The only real digital platform she uses is Facebook. So that when I send photos on Facebook, she thinks it's just going to her alone. So there's always when I send a Facebook photo, I put it up there. There's always an instant response back from my mother that says, can I get a print of that? And I think it's really important for folks to understand, especially campaigns, that you know my parents who are close to 80 years old are on Facebook all the time. And so we think of digital as being for younger people. And granted, my mother is not spending time on TikTok or Snapchat, but she is on Facebook all the time. Though I think she would really like the unicorns on TikTok, but I can't get her to go there yet. Right, yeah. So we'll work on that. Totally. Uh, I think you're right. I think my parents are the same, right? And and similar to me, right? They're doing it on multiple. Oh, is your mother watching the unicorns on TikTok? <laughs> she is not. But both my parents are on Instagram, right? Which I think is hilarious. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, they they sort of skipped the Facebook piece of it and went straight to Instagram. But they when we are when I'm at home, it's so funny because I see them and my two young nephews, right? And they're all watching TV while 
all on their devices, whether it's their phone or their iPads or their tablets, um, doing multiple things. And as a as you're thinking about your digital plan, you really need to think about how people engage with digital across uh, mediums and across devices. Um, so that you're sort of capturing them uh, where they are and where they're looking. Yeah, I mean, we're actually now able to target people while they're watching a second screen and really look at what they're watching as we're looking at targeting programmatic ads across the board. I mean, and you talked about gaming, right? There's a lot of ads that we run to voters that are targeted to either voter segments or to, you know, voter lists that we're targeting those voters as they're on gaming platforms. So lots of ways to reach folks as they're interacting in their daily lives. And I think it's so important for people to think about who's the voter that we're trying to reach? What is the platform they're gonna be on? What is the ways in which we're gonna reach them? I think sometimes when we think of digital advertising, we think of advertising just on a local news site. That's usually not how it's done these days. We're usually targeting specific voters or voter segments to reach them wherever they are or geo-targeting people around early voting sites, trying to do all sorts of ways to meet people where they are to really think about how do we reach a voter in the way that they interact and live their digital life. Yeah, and I mean, some of this stuff may sound very in the weeds and complicated, right, for your campaign. And I think as you are building out what a digital presence for your campaign can look like, I think there are a couple places where you really need to be, right? And I think first and foremost, you need to have a website, right? Once once you announce, people are going to Google you and they want somewhere to go to find more information and you want to be able to be there to give it to them and capture that information from them. So I would make sure that before you announce your campaign, there is some website presence that you have and think about your website as very much your online campaign office, right? Everything that you would have in your campaign office, whether it's information on issues that you support, ways in which they can volunteer or donate and help, those all of those things should be accessible on your website. Um, the second piece is email. It's still the queen of digital, right? It is still the way that most folks communicate in the digital space is via email. Um, and so make sure that you have a, a way of capturing people's email addresses so that, that you can continue to inform them about what's happening in your campaign, ask them to uh, donate, ask them to volunteer. And you want to build that email list organically. You really don't want to spam people. You want to be everywhere you are. If you have a supporter, you're knocking on a door and they really like you, make sure you get their email address and then stay in communication with them. It's a great way to have this two-way contact. I mean, one of the other things that you mentioned on the website is, and I think is so critical, is whatever website platform you're using, you want to make sure you're optimizing for search so people can actually find you. If it's a WordPress website, one of the free tools that we really like is a tool called Yoast, um, Y-O-A-S-T, and we'll put it in the show notes. And we definitely have some blog posts on setting up a website and how to be found. And so I think that's really a critical thing of making sure people can find you on the web, but then also making sure that you socially have picked a couple different social media platforms that you're gonna be on, and then having consistent communication on those platforms. You don't have to do every single one of them, but you what you do do, you need to do well. Totally agreed. And I think a lot of folks get overwhelmed or think like, I'm not a digital person or I'm not a tech person or I'm not a whatever person, right? Like I only really use Instagram. I'm not on Facebook very much anymore. I'm very rarely on Twitter, but it doesn't mean that you are not as a sort of consumer, right? Engaging with digital ads, digital content, um, things that you are liking on Facebook, liking on Twitter, liking on Instagram, 
if you are putting out content on your digital space that you wouldn't even respond to, right? There's probably a problem with your digital content. So think about how how do what are the things that you engage with as as a regular sort of human on on some of these social media platforms and how can you take some of those lessons and recreate those in the content that you are engaging your followers on because really a lot of the platforms are turning to a much more engagement-based algorithm that allows more reach and more people to see your content. And so you want to make sure that you're putting content out there that folks are going to want to engage with in the same way that you engage with content online. And, and I also think it's the content itself, and then it's also building the audience for the content, making sure you're actually spending time to get followers, to work with people organically, to build followers on those social media sites so that you're not communicating with just 10 people, but really you're communicating to hundreds of thousands of people. Totally. So uh, we are super excited, Joe, to hear your interview with our dear, dear friend, Lizzie Kendrick, uh, who is a former tcw -er and uh, who is now uh, the Senior Vice President of Communications over at uh, the Climate Reality Project. Um, so excited to hear what she has to say about the wonderful world of digital. We'll be right back. Lizzie Kendrick is currently the Senior Vice President of Communications and Digital Strategy at the Climate Reality Project, where she leads Climate Reality's communications and digital strategies to help mobilize millions of people around the world to use their voices and everyday choices to tackle the climate crisis. She was formerly the Vice President of Digital here at the campaign workshop, and in that position, she worked with clients such as the American Cancer Society, Cancer Action Network, LIUNA, Pretrial Justice Institute, Fair Wisconsin, Nature Conservancy, and many others. Before joining the team here at TCW, Lizzie was the director of online marketing at the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. She worked with Senate campaigns across the country there, advised the Committee on Social Media Strategies, and managed the Committee's innovative online marketing program. She's worked for the Strategy Group, um, the Child Abuse Prevention Center in Orange County, and was a volunteer in the Peace Corps in the Republic of Kiribati. And as she puts it, had a deliciously brief stint as a baker at Butter Cape Bakery in Los Angeles. Welcome, Lizzie Kendrick, to the podcast. Hi, Joe. How are you? How are you? Good. How are you? Good. So first, we'll ask the first question, which is, how'd you get into this crazy business of becoming a digital strategist? It was a little bit happenstance. I had my first job in DC was at the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. And for a hot second, I worked in their direct mail program. And that was great. However, within a couple months of starting there, a position opened on the digital team. And so I quickly maneuvered my way over there because it seemed a little bit more new and exciting. So that's how I started working in the digital space. And at the DSCC, I was doing more email marketing. And then when I came to the campaign workshop, started doing more digital advertising and strategy beyond just kind of the email marketing part of it. Lizzie, tell me, what do you think the biggest misconception people have about digital is? Um, that it's cheap and or free always, and that it's easy and anyone can do it. 
Okay, like, <laughs> let's dig into that a little bit, right? So, like, I mean, I also think it's like, what is the definition of digital, right? I think digital means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Yeah. So a lot of your work has been around digital advertising, but also you have this background in email, right? And sometimes people think of digital as the website. So yeah. when you think of digital, what do you think when you're defining digital, how do you define that world? Right now, I define it mostly as more on the advertising side, I think, because that's a lot of the work that we do with our clients. We're doing a lot of strategy around how to advertise and how to get their message out digitally in a paid sense as opposed to an unpaid sense. But organic's really important, too, right? I mean, all of those things go into play. Yes. When you're talking to a campaign and they're saying to you, hey, Lizzie, I want to get set up digitally, what are some of the first things you talk to them about in setting up a real digital presence? And I would try to talk to them about what that means to them, right? Does that Do they have a website? Is that part of the first step for them? Do they have social media platform feeds? Do they need help with that? Um, what is their goal when they're talking about setting up a digital presence? I mean, I think that at bare minimum, candidates for any office need to have at least a website so that when people are searching for them or searching for their campaign or their office, that they will be able to find them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that every campaign needs to have a Snapchat and an Instagram and a Facebook and a Twitter and a TikTok and a Reddit account and needs to be producing a ton of digital content. So I think depending on what the goals are of each campaign, it will help determine the level of intensity that their digital program will have. Totally. So thinking about that, right? I mean, one of the first things that candidates do is they launch a website. Sometimes it's like they, they're planning it out and they're thinking through it. Sometimes it's, oh my God, I'm announcing tomorrow I need a website. So when the candidate is launching a website, what do you think some of the best little tips that you can give folks on launching a website, starting on social media, if you're just getting started in a campaign, what are some of the things you want to look out for? I think launching a website is a really important part of the process because these days everyone is looking for things online. They're using Google, maybe they're using Bing, I don't know, I think everyone just uses Google now to search, maybe they're asking Alexa to search for, you know, who is running for city council, who's running for state senate in their district. And if you are not showing up in that result, then they're missing you. And that's a huge opportunity. So having a website is a great first step. And then beyond that, thinking through as people are searching, what are they searching for? And writing the content that will be in your website to help answer those questions will help you be at the top of the organic search result list, which will help people find you in an organic way and help kind of get your name out and make sure that you're staying relevant. Launching social media, you have any favorite things that you would suggest when it's like maybe things that aren't so obvious about starting in social media for a candidate or an organization? What would you suggest folks to do? I think if you can have a real honest talk with yourself about what your capacity is in terms of social media and then figure out what how what that how often you're realistically able to post and who is in charge of posting on your social media media accounts and what sort of 
leeway they have in terms of posting, that should be a first step before you even create like a Facebook account or a Twitter account. Because I think a mistake that some people make is they just create a Facebook account or a Twitter account. They put their name up there, they put a couple photos, and then it's completely dark and they don't actually communicate with anyone on social media for like months at a time. So I think having a plan before you launch and figuring out, you know, what platforms you're going to use, who's going to be in charge of posting, how often you're going to be posting, what sort of messaging you want to put on the different social media channels. I think that's an important first step that sometimes gets missed. It's not like that exciting of a tidbit of information, but I think it's a really important one. But important. I mean, the other thing I would also say is like, Again, that idea of what are the things that you're really able to focus on. If Facebook's going to be your social media platform, then really focus on that. Do Facebook video, Facebook Live, like really utilize that platform. And if it's not, think about what is. Yeah. Fundraising, give us like your thoughts on candidate fundraising. I know we all get these emails that are very like scary and are like the world is going to end unless you give me $5. Like talk to me like does that does that work, right? I mean, <laughs> I, do I need to donate right now? Do I need to go and check the DCCC and make sure they're okay? What do I need to do? I may have written a few of those emails in my time. Um, And they were really real for me because if I didn't meet my quarterly goals, I was in trouble. I think that the benefit of email is that you have the option to test a ton of things. So obviously the give $5 urgent ask emails, they must be working for the DCCC and other campaigns because if they weren't, they wouldn't waste sending millions of emails to their list with those subject lines. And from my experience, I know like when I was at the DSCC, we tested every single email we sent. At the DSCC, we we took a portion of our list, a 20% of our list, and we broke that into two chunks. And we tested like the subject line, a subject line A versus subject line B, just with that 20%. And we would see like what worked the best. And then we'd roll that out to the rest of the list. You don't have to do it that you don't have to break off part of your list if your list is smaller, but you can at least take half of your list and split your list into two halves and test one thing versus the other, see what works, do that over the course of, you know, every time you send out an email, then you'll have an idea of what resonates well with your list. Recently, right, we've seen a lot of changes um, around allowing political ads or not allowing political ads to, you know, be used on certain platforms. So Twitter has banned political ads. Mm -hmm. Google has changed the type of targeting that they allow. Facebook has right now like done a lot of making sure that they're checking who actually is authorizing ads, but they haven't like completely changed it yet. But, you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. What's your view of sort of these policy changes? What is that going to do to the political campaign advertising spectrum? And what should a campaign know about that? I think it's a shame because I think it limits what political campaigns can do, but allows a lot of leeway for other advertisers. And I think what it ultimately probably does is really put smaller campaigns with smaller budgets at a disadvantage. Larger campaigns like 
presidential campaigns where they can target a huge swath of people and can sort of throw money at, at a paid media budget and may waste some inventory on people who aren't their target audience, but because they can sort of blanket their a state or blanket like a larger geographic area with their message because they have the budget to do so, can still do a lot of the advertising that we've been doing. But especially with Google, what has happened is that there's a limit on the sort of targeted communications that we can do through digital advertising. And I think ultimately it just puts smaller campaigns at a disadvantage. I also think that it doesn't really solve some of the problems that people have with these platforms, which is a whole other ball of wax that they probably should be looking into, which is there's a ton of misinformation and fraud and fake accounts going on spreading false truths around the internet. And and I don't think that paid media is necessarily to blame for that, especially political campaigns. However, I think that for political campaigns, what they need to know is what is allowed and what is not allowed on which platforms. As you mentioned, Facebook is still allowing political advertising with most of the same targeting we've been doing for for at least the last couple of years. However, there's a lot of verification that political advertisers have to go through. So making sure that your campaign is set up correctly, making sure that you've done all of the verification that you need to do in order to run ads. Facebook remains like a really effective tool to use, especially for conversions. Um, So getting people to respond to your ad in some way, whether that's to sign up for your email list or donate to your campaign, that's still a really great tool to use. And so campaigns will likely want to use that platform. And so they should make sure that they have the proper verification in place to use it. For Twitter, I mean, there's no leeway. They've banned it completely. And for Google, I think knowing what the restrictions are on targeting to know what's possible and what's not possible. But segueing to another question, right, because I've got all the questions today. (laughs) How does a campaign determine how much money they should be spending on digital advertising? This is a common question that we get a lot from clients. Um, It's similar to how you would determine how much you would spend on another form of paid communications. You should look at who your target audience is, how uh, how many people are in that universe. Um, Probably you should do that by looking at what your vote goal is and then figuring out how many people you have to talk to, how many people you need to go out and vote for you. Um, They have there are a couple of online calculators that help people sort of figure out, okay, if you're going to advertise to 30,000 people and you're going to run your ads for, you know, two weeks or four weeks or six weeks, um, and you want like a medium high, low frequency, you can sort of get a range of how much that might cost you. But I think figuring out who your target universe is and how many people are in that universe will help determine your budget, at least as a starting point. So you talked a little bit about your experience of being a digital consultant. How does a candidate, right, make an informed decision about choosing a digital vendor? I think you want to make sure that you can have someone that you trust and who will be a a part of your team, who you feel like can add value to your team. So when you're thinking through a digital vendor, it's important to think about what you want out of a consultant or a vendor or an agency. 
Um, do you want someone who is up late posting on TikTok for you? Do you want someone who's coming up with like the general strategy for you? Do you want someone who is building a website, who's buying ads on your behalf? Like what are the goals that you want to get? What do you want to get out of a partnership so that you can find the best partner for you? And I think cost obviously is a factor. What is the capacity you have in house and what can you do with people you have on your existing staff that will help you figure out what holes you need to fill when you're looking at a digital vendor. Well, Lizzie, thank you so much. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And we're back. Big thanks to Lizzie Kendrick, Senior Vice President of Communications and Digital at the Climate Reality Project for joining us today and to chat about digital campaign strategy. One thing we talked about that I want to reiterate is have a plan in every part of your campaign, but especially for digital, right? You want to think about how you're going to use your digital platforms. Some of the questions you want to consider are, what's the main goals of your campaign digital presence? Do you want to fundraise through your website? Do you want to make sure you have an easy, secure way for folks to donate by desktop, via mobile and mobile services? How often are you going to post online? Who's in charge of writing and posting content regularly? Do you have a content calendar? What are the places on social media that are the platforms you really want to engage in? Those are really important things to think about. Yeah. And I mean, in today's campaign world, right, and in today's world, really, you can't not be on digital, right? There has to be some presence that you and the campaign sort of build there. And even if you are not a digital expert or super tech savvy, we all engage in some way online with content, right? And so be critical about thinking about what is the stuff that you engage with as an individual and think about what made that engaging and how do you sort of incorporate that into the work that you're doing for the campaign? Because really all of the algorithms these days are about engagement, right? And how are you getting folks to engage with your Instagram posts, your Facebook, your Twitter? And so think about those things as you all are online. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say people define digital as different things. My mom, she only defines digital as Facebook. For other folks, it's Instagram, it's Pinterest, it's Twitter, it's searching online to Google something. It's all of those things. So you want to think about who your end user is and how do they see digital, not just how you see digital. Agreed. Agreed. And you don't have to be on everything, right? Figure out what are the what are the platforms in which make the most sense for your campaign, right? I think if the Twitter and the Facebook are enough for your campaign, great. If you think that there is some usability in thinking about the Snapchats and Pinterests and other sort of uh, Instagrams platforms, then absolutely. But as long as it, it makes sense for the audience in which you're talking to, I think one of the critical pieces that you really need to actually have is a website and thinking about what is the written content that you need on there to make sure that like it's very easy for folks to find you online. You want to be really thinking about your website as sort of your online campaign office. So everything you would have in your physical campaign office, right? You want to make sure is available online. How do folks donate to you? How are they able to volunteer for your campaign easily through your website? How do they get information about your candidacy if they are really looking to figure out um, who you are in your campaign? So make sure that it's optimized, right? Make sure that it's optimized so when folks are Googling your name, that hopefully your campaign website is part, it comes to uh, the top of those search results page when they're doing that, right? And how are you framing the content on your website in the same way that folks Google, right? We often we often go onto a search engine and, and type in a question to get an answer. So how are you writing the content on your website to really be answering those questions that those voters, your community, those constituents you may be serving would be looking for that information online? 
I am a big fan of content marketing. There's a great book by Marcus Sheridan called They Ask, You Answer that is all about content marketing and proactively answering questions of customers, right? This is a business book, but same thing can be used in campaigns. You wanna proactively think about what are the things that people are answering about, asking about your campaign and answer them, right? You can use free tools like Ubersuggest to get keyword ideas. You can also visit the Campaign Workshop blog for a ton of advice on SEO, search engine optimization and content marketing. But as Lizzie said in our interview, it's important to experiment to see what works, right? It could be you're having your candidate do Facebook Lives once a week. You try shorter ones, you try longer ones, you see what gets more engagement. Our experience has been longer ones work, but you wanna test it. Emails, you wanna test subject lines, signers, donation asks, Paid ads, you want to test images, headlines, length of the ad, animations, colors. You could test everything. Doesn't mean that you have the ability to do it. You really want to think about what are the important things for you to do. But testing is going to look different for every campaign, depending on your goals. Yeah, and you really want to be able to utilize both your email and the social media platforms as a way for you also to test the language that you're using in the ways that you're talking about the issues you're running on. Because this is a great place for you to sort of figure out what are what are the things that are resonating with folks as you're talking to them online at the doors, etc. So that when you get closer to the election day, when folks are really paying attention, and you're about to spend a good bit of money on direct mail or TV or radio, you've already honed in that message by utilizing some of these other platforms to test some of that messaging. A final reminder, like always make sure that you're up to speed on the latest digital political advertising rules. They are constantly changing. You want to make sure that you get verified for ads on Facebook and Google, right? Twitter is no longer accepting political ads. So you want to be thinking about how do you run a more organic program on some of these social media platforms throughout your campaigns. But always feel free to reach out to us if you have questions on what some of those verification processes are. Yeah, I mean, some of the new things that we see really moving in the digital sphere this year are user-generated content, the idea of volunteers really creating their own content and using that, using a platform like a Flipgrid where you can store some of those types of content. The other idea now, we're seeing canvassing apps uh, that are integrating video and video capture at the door, like a grassroots unwired. So you really want to look at that and figure out what could be latest trends that could help you, but also going back to the basics of doing Facebook lives, doing good email and having a content calendar, putting stuff up on a consistent basis on your website that engage with keywords. All of those things are just best practices that you should be doing. So you can think about the new, which might be flashy and great, but also make sure like the tried and true is a part of what you're doing and what your campaign toolkit is. So anyway, we love talking about digital strategy. You can always reach out to us with questions. Otherwise, that's what we've got for today. And coming up on our next episode, we'll dive into what to consider in hiring a campaign manager. Brandon Davis, who has worn a number of hats on a number of different campaigns, he's a principal at GPS Impact and the former DNC chief of staff will be joining us to give us some really good insight on uh, hiring a good campaign manager. Until next time, this is Joe Fold. And this is Martin Diego Garcia breaking down how to win a campaign. How to win a campaign is Joe Fold, Martin Diego Garcia, Hope Rohrbach, Daniel Lamb, Heidi Job, and Elena Veach. Music by Mike Pinto. Sound editing by Junto Media. Special thanks to the team at the Campaign Workshop. 
please review, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.